Today's scripture is from the book of Acts. After all this had happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia. After I have been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. He sent two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, to Macedonia while he stayed in the province of Asia a while longer. About that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. He called them together along with workers in related trades and said to them, you know, my friends, we receive a good income from this business. And you see and hear this fellow, Paul, is convincing and leading astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and throughout the province of Asia. He says that gods made from with human hands are not gods at all. There is danger. Not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of Artemis will be discredited. And also that the goddess herself may be robbed of her divine majesty. When they heard this, they were furious and they began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Soon, the whole city was in an uproar. People seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia, and rushed all of them into the theater. Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples wouldn't let him. Even some of the officials of the province sent Paul a message begging him not to venture into the theater. The assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people did not even know why they were there. These are the words of God from long ago, told for all the people today. Thanks be to God. How about now? There I am. Hello. My name's Pete. Some of them were shouting one thing, some shouting another thing, and most of them didn't know why, why they were there at all. Politics haven't changed much, have they? Would you pray with me? Holy God, we come with lots of lots of things on our hearts and minds and we come listening for what you might say whether we know why we're here or not so let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be what you would have them to be for you are our rock and our redeemer amen well, there was a lot of confusion in Ephesus in the midst of 
whatever was happening at the temple of Artemis and Paul is there and all these things are happening. And it's not clear which way is up. Have you ever felt that way? Y'all, you got to help me today. I had 15 hours notice to preach. All right? We felt that we feel this way sometimes, right? Upside down. We have Alexander's terrible, no good, very bad day, and we wonder just what what is going on. Sometimes we even wonder why we showed up. And sometimes it's marvelous and everything's right side up. You're like, ooh, yeah. Right? It might make you want to sing a song. It might make you want do you like to dance? Would anybody like to come and, and dance? No? No takers. I thought somebody would come this time, Johnny. Not this time. Some of us like to dance when nobody's watching. And some of us are good at dancing when someone is watching. Fred Astaire is a person who's good at dancing when someone is watching. And I want you to check this out from 1951. ways up our days are like this some days if you want to know in 1951 this was certainly not computer generated anything this is a talented person in a room built in a barrel that actually turns and so down is down and I guess if you know the right timing you know which wall to stand on I don't know and maybe in our lives we need to know what the timing is and what wall to stand on these folks in Ephesus are having a which ways up kind of season. They don't know what's going on. They, Ephesus, what do you know about Ephesus? There's a letter to the Ephesians in our scriptures. It's the same Ephesus that Paul is visiting at this point. It's the fourth largest city in the area. It's a big deal kind of city. And big deal cities have landmarks that people visit, right? If you go to New York, what do you do? The Statue of Liberty. Good job. Remember, y'all got to help me today. San Francisco, Golden Gate Bridge. Got to check that out, and maybe there's fog or something. Isn't that great? You come to Columbus, what are you going to check out? 
the shoe, right? You're going to go see, go, you got to see the horseshoe. It's there. Big stadium, all that stuff. Or maybe you're a soccer fan and you want to go see the crew. I, whatever you do. But if you go to a place, you see the sights, right? If you go to Munising, Michigan, have you ever been to Munising, Michigan? I was just there last week. And so you go to Pictured Rocks and you check it out because that's what you do when you're there. And you see 38,000 waterfalls because they have a lot of those there. When you go to a place, you see the things. If you go to Ephesus at this time when Paul is there, the Temple of Artemis. Don't miss it. Artemis is or was the goddess, the Greek goddess of the hunt, of nature, of childbirth. She's a big deal, right? And this temple is a big deal. There are 127 marble pillars. We don't have any marble pillars, Hank. Why not? And 36 of those were gilded, golden pillars. This place is fancy. It's a big deal. There's an altar there carved by a famous Greek sculptor. An idol of Artemis was reported to have dropped from heaven into this space because Artemis was a divine being, or so they believed. In the midst of that, people were making their money selling stuff about the divine being. There's a tourist industry. I will tell you, if you go to Munising, Michigan, you can buy sweatshirts that say Upper Peninsula and Pictured Rocks and all those things. They cost more than regular sweatshirts because they say all those things. You've been there. You know what the gift shops look like. There's all the stuff. You can buy anything that says something on it for twice what it's worth. Well, that's what's happening at the Temple of Artemis. We're selling all this stuff. We're making a good living at this. And this guy, Paul, has come and started talking about Artemis is not, and your idols are just hunks of metal, and all this magic that you're practicing is just nothing. And Paul's, people see what Paul is doing as he comes, because he, he meets, first of all, he goes to Ephesus, and he encounters a group of disciples who are already there. So this story about Jesus got to Ephesus somehow before Paul ever arrived. He finds these disciples. They need a little coaching up, a little encouragement, a little extra instruction. He does that work with them. And this news starts to get out. And people are like, this guy Paul and these disciples, there's like healings happening and you know, magic. Because people understand it as magic. That's their, their framework. That looks like magic. Paul's like, that's not magic. This is the real and true God working because of and through Jesus and all. So he explains it to them, tells them the story. They start to believe it. They end up bringing all their collection of Artemis stuff and destroying it. The accountants look at what was destroyed and say that was 50,000 silver coins worth of stuff consumed in fire. Now to put that in context... That's 50,000 days wages. 50,000. Folks' lives are turned inside out, upside down. They're living in a different way. They're putting aside old ways, taking on new ways, and it's disturbing things until finally Scripture gives us this fun, um, i got to find it, this fun understatement. No little disturbance broke out 
concerning the way. <laughs> There's a riot going on in Ephesus. It might make you think of the Blues Brothers and the riot in cell block number nine. I'll let you play that in your own head if you know it. There's a riot. People are uncertain. Some of the folks just know there's lots of excitement. They don't even know why they're there. But there's, there's all this going on. And people are yelling and hollering and stuff. And I don't, wow, it's chaos. Which way's up? This story, this message has disturbed, disturbed the peace. Sometimes it does. 60 years ago, yesterday, did you catch the news? Yesterday was the anniversary of the March on Washington with Martin Luther King and 250,000 of his best friends who marched on Washington demanding equality, demanding justice, demanding that people be treated well, demanding an end to bias. And at that march, a famous speech happened and Martin Luther King Jr. said, I have a dream. You've heard those words before. And in your brain, you've already started filling in the other words, right? I have a dream, he said. And we get excited hearing that, and it sounds good. I have a dream, he said, that on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table. These people on opposite ends of a spectrum. Do you know any people on opposite ends of a spectrum? Don't name them. No names. This is an anonymous space. Conflict anonymous. I don't know what to call it. It's not new, but it's still a reality. And this dream was that we might, in our differences, sit down together at the table. That we would find a kind of peace and unity. A dream, he says, that his four children would one day live in a nation where they would not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And in 2023, we might say, not be judged by the color of their skin, or by their zip code, or which side of the tracks they happen to live on, or which side of some line on a map they happen to live on. or what their personal identity might be. You can make your own list, but judged by their character. And he says, when this happens, when we let freedom ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state, every city, we'll be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men, white men, Jews, Gentiles, Protestants, Catholics, X, Y, A, B, make your own list when all of God's children would be able to join hands and join in singing free at last, free at last. That's the story. See, Martin Luther King says, I have a dream, and he did, but it wasn't his dream. This is God's dream. This is what Jesus comes for, right? Jesus comes and says, guess what? The kingdom of God is here. The meek shall inherit the earth. We're turning things what feels like upside down. We're going to celebrate weddings and make wine out of water. Yeah, life is a wonderful thing. Let's party. <laughs> That's who Jesus is. We're going to heal people so they can be part of the community. We're going to meet people we're not supposed to talk to, a Samaritan woman at the well, and have a conversation and offer living water. 
We're going to raise Lazarus from the dead. We're going to turn things upside down. We're going to say the first should be last and the last should be first. And it feels backwards. We're going to talk about sharing everything freely. That's this story, which is God's dream, which is what Jesus comes to offer that Martin Luther King Jr. articulates so well for us. We have this dream together. It's our story together. Now, granted, 60 years later, we still got work to do. And there are people who gathered yesterday to recognize good work that's happened and work that still needs to happen. It's progress, and it's a process, and we're in the midst of it. And sometimes it's a terrible, no good, very bad day in the midst of it. And sometimes it's glorious and wonderful. Martin Luther King Jr. was not the only person who spoke 60 years ago at that march. Joachim Prince, a rabbi, spoke, and he told the crowd that the most urgent, the most disgraceful, the most shameful, and the most tragic problem is silence. We have a story to share. If we fail to share it, how can it do anything? How can that story spread? How can someone else capture that dream? To be changed by it, just as those people in Ephesus were changed and suddenly everything that was so important for them became completely unimportant, so unimportant that they destroyed 50,000 days' wages worth of stuff because of this new truth in their life. Talk about losing your life to find it. There they are. This story is transformative. It changes us. And as we are changed, our community together is changed. The dream becomes realized over time. Sometimes quickly, sometimes over a long period of time. But silence would keep it from being shared. It would be tragic to be silent. We sing those songs about the story, right? Do you love to tell the story? Do you? No? Okay. Thank you. Somebody wants to tell a story. We sing it. We remind ourselves, I love to tell the story, right? You know the rest of the song, right? We have a story to tell to the Nate. Shines, you got it. We've got a story to tell. It's not, it's our story. We're in it, and it's not just our story. The reason we've been meddling around in Acts all summer long is to notice how that story gets played out in the early church, to notice how those early disciples took some chances, did some things, shared their story, refused to be silent. Paul was asked, don't go, don't go out there. They're going to hurt you. Don't go, stay here. You're going to end up... And this is Paul's last preaching in freedom. He ends up in prison. He's got a story to share, and he refuses to be silent. That's the call we have as God's people. In this church, but as part of the larger church, just as people who are faithful, to share this story that we have 
faithfully, the best way we can. Sometimes it'll be glorious and marvelous and wonderful, and sometimes it'll be a terrible, no good, very bad day. And sometimes we'll be very aware of the work we have left to do. And other times, it'll be just like dancing on the ceiling. You see, this upside-down feeling that the gospel gives us is really right-side-up. God's intention in sending Jesus, in offering reconciliation and restoration and salvation and grace and love, is that we would live in this kind of peace and harmony with justice, with freedom, with sharing and caring for each other. This upside down is really God's right side up. And as our hearts change, we begin to figure out which way is really up. I'm going to invite you to join me in this prayer that you'll find on the screen. Almighty God, give us your vision for Church of the Messiah. Keep our eyes fixed on you. Deepen our faith in you. Empower our service of you. Engage us in sharing the story about you. Break through at Messiah in ways far beyond our ask or imagination. Amen.